At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand the term Americana as it applies to music. On today's episode of our Word on the Street segment, we speak with author, producer, and Americana champion, Tamara Saviano. Saviano has been an advocate of the singer-songwriter since the very beginning. She has worked most of her life in support of independent musicians, including songwriting mavericks such as Chris Christopherson and Guy Clark. Saviano is also a Grammy award-winning producer, a prolific writer, and served as the first female president of the Americana Music Association. Currently, she is working on a documentary based on the journals of artist Susanna Clark and oversees ATX Leadership, a foundation dedicated to encouraging communal growth of the music scene of Austin, Texas. Today on Word on the Street, Saviano speaks with us about her writing, building local music communities, Americana music, and the final touches on her documentary exploring the relationship of Susanna and Guy Clark. I'm your producer and host, Clara Rose. And this is Americana Podcast, Word on the Street. Tamara, I want to thank you for being here today. Hi, Claire. I'm really happy to be here with you. Um, I'd like to just get started with what's the word on the street? Uh, the word on the street in our world is that uh, we are about to finish editing a Guy Clark documentary that we've been working on for the last four years. And we hired the magnificent Sandra Adair um, as to help us finish editing. She is an editor for all of Rick Linklater's films, and she did an amazing documentary about the Austin artist Lance Letcher that I love, and so I'm just thrilled that she's joined us. That's really exciting. And uh, you're here for the Kerrville Folk Fest? I am. I'm interviewing Rodney Crowell tomorrow, um, which should be fun. It's always fun to see Rodney. And you've worked with him for a really long time. I've known him for a long time. Um, I've never really worked with Rodney, but um, I'm going to write a book about him. And so this is kind of the kickoff to that. So I'd like to start at the beginning, um, which is how did you first become interested in the music industry? And was there a notable moment that had a profound impact on you in that regard? Oh, um, so many, really. Um, I had a child when I was 20, so I didn't go to college until she went to kindergarten. So I started late, and I studied communications and ended up interning at a radio station. And it was in the, uh, like, 1990, and mainstream country music was really hot then. Uh, Garth Brooks was the big thing. And so I worked at a radio station in my hometown of Milwaukee, and I learned all about Americana music kind of from the albums that weren't played. I shared a, um, an office with the music director, and he would have these stacks of CDs that would not make it on the air, and I didn't understand why, and I would listen to them. And they were you know, Rodney Crowell and Robert Earl Keane and Emmylou Harris and Lucinda Williams and all these artists that I've since... Um, you know, just grown to love. That was the first moment, I think. You produced the 2004 Grammy Award winning Beautiful Dreamer, The Songs of Stephen Foster. Can I ask what inspired you to do that project? Um, <laughs> yes, sure. So really, I started American Roots Publishing because I wanted to publish Joe Ely's book that no one in New York was interested in. Um, but we didn't have any money and Joe wasn't finished with the book. So um, I met David Macias, who's now a good friend of mine, and I was telling him that I wanted to start this nonprofit publishing company to do music and books and things that were not going to be big commercial successes, but that we knew how to find the audience. 
And David said, um, I'd really love to do an album on Stephen Foster. And I said, oh, me too. My, that's my, my grandparents used to play Stephen Foster songs. And I said, but, you know, no one else is going to listen to that but us. And he's like, I know, but let's do it anyway. So we did. <laughs> and you won a Grammy for it. We did. Talk about beginner's luck. Um, but that was, you know, that was a very interesting turning point for me as well because um, we were talking about asking John Prine to do My Old Kentucky Home. And I was in these meetings saying, there's no way John Prine's going to be part of this project. And we asked him, and he said yes. And I was like, you know what? You just have to ask. You just have to ask. And I'm, I'm always surprised by who says yes. And you had you also had uh, Yo-Yo Ma in there and yes. Allison Krauss. It was, it's a really wonderful lineup. And Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And it was the first one, so it was a big learning curve for me, too. Is there a lesson in particular that stands out from that experience? Um, yes. Don't be afraid to try something. And also, you know, there aren't a lot of women producers, and I, di- I don't understand why that is, um, but I always tell women, especially young women, just go do it. Don't wait for anybody to give you permission. Just go do what you want to do. Uh, you've been doing a lot of writing in general. Um, when did you first begin writing? Well, I've been a writer my whole life. I've been keeping journals since I was 13 years old. So writing's been a, a, you know, daily part of my life. But when I worked at the radio station in Milwaukee, I was the editor of the magazine there. And so that's when I really learned how to write as a journalist and report stories, you know. and, And when I look back on those things, they're not very good, but it was where I started learning to my craft of, of, I consider myself a journalist. I'm not a prose writer. I'm not a novelist. I'm certainly not a songwriter. Um, but I'm very proud of just being a journalist. Your 2013 book, From Art to Commerce, a workbook for independent musicians co-authored with songwriter uh, Rod Picot, is, a re- is really enlightening. I just finished it this week. What inspires you to facilitate the discussion about the music industry for artists looking to be involved? Well... You know, Rod and I, Rod is an independent artist, and he is not a household name, but he's a working singer-songwriter, performing songwriter. And I know a lot of working artists like that that have no fame, but, you know, they're working. So um, Rod and I were having a conversation at Folk Alliance one year about how tough it is to be an independent artist, but also how freeing it is. And um, I know the business side, and he knew know the artist side, so we decided we would try to do some workshops, and we wrote the workbook that goes with our workshops, just about teaching artists, um, and even people that aren't artists but want to be publicists or marketing people, you know, and work with independent artists, the business side. And you drew a lot from your work at Capitol in particular, I noticed. I did. Working at a major label was instructive in a lot of ways. Um, it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, I'm really glad I had that experience, but it made me realize that um, in many ways in the mainstream music business, the commerce drives the art, and that's not the business I want to be in. I like to see, you know, let the artists make their art and then figure out where it goes. You also have a program called ATX Leadership. Do you ever draw from your experiences in the music business with that? Yes. So all ATX Leadership... Um, 
sort of just came up, you know, unexpectedly. Um, I met a man in Austin. His name is Gary Keller. He owns Keller Williams Real Estate. And he has been trying to really help the music industry in Austin. And I met him in a social situation, but we got to talking and um, he asked me how they do it in Nashville. You know, Austin is very, um, lots of entrepreneurs, so silos all over town. And Nashville is a much more connected music community. And he was asking me about that. How did they connect? And I started telling him about a program in Nashville called Leadership Music. And it kind of went from there. So all ATX leadership is inspired by leadership music. But of course, it's a Texas program, so it's very outlaw. Well, you know, Nashville has had a music business for more than 50 years. So there's just, um, you know, the path has been laid. And it's it's a certain kind of music business, um, even though there, you know, there's a lot of indie stuff happening in Nashville. But Austin has always been, Austin and Texas have always been, just go out and do your thing and make it work. And everybody does that, I think, brilliantly and beautifully. Um, but all ATX leadership is kind of a community building. So it brings all of those people together eight times a year. And then um, the years kind of build upon each other. And hopefully, you know, down the line, you just have this rich, connected community around the music business. I'm going to go back to your writing, which is you wrote the Guy Clark biography without getting killed or caught. Uh, what? How did that come about? Um... So I was working with Guy, I was his publicist, and um, I was in Austin with some friends at the Chili Parlor Bar. This was in, oh, I think 2008. And um, the friend I was with was Dr. Gary Hartman, who runs the Center for Texas Music History at Texas State University. And Guy happened to call me while we were sitting at the Chili Parlor, and my ringtone was Dublin Blues. So we're sitting at the Chili Parlor, and all of a sudden, it rings with, I wish I was in Austin at the Chili Parlor Bar. And we all laughed, and I answered the phone, and I said, Hi, Guy, you'll never believe where I am. And, and Guy said, uh, Those Mad Dog margaritas taste like petroleum and seawater. And we all cracked up again, and then I hung up the phone, and um, Gary said, You should write Guy's biography. And I said, I would love to do that, but Guy will never cooperate with me, and I wouldn't do it without him. And I really believed that at the time. But Gary kept pushing me on it, and I finally asked the question, and Guy agreed. And I still didn't believe he was going to do it. Um, but the first time I went to his house to interview him, which would have been in December of 2008, um, he wears this, uh, he wore this turquoise ring um, that was, you know, every picture of him, you can see it. And so I asked him about the story behind that ring. And it's a very painful story, and he just told it to me right away, and we were kind of off and running. And I spent eight years with him doing research and interviews and writing. Oh, friends, they shine like diamonds. Oh, friends, you can always call. Oh, friends, Lord, you can't bound. Know it's old friends after all. So, can you tell me about the documentary that's 
following? Is it a companion piece or is it kind of standing on its own? It does stand on its own, but it's it's inspired by my book. Um, one of the main stories in the book is the relationship between Guy and his wife Susanna in Towns Manzant. Um, and that relationship is very intriguing to me, especially from Susanna's perspective. After Susanna died, Guy gave me um, two boxes of her diaries, and I started reading those. And, you know, it wasn't the Susanna that I knew. I didn't meet Susanna until 2000, so she was um, not the same woman that everybody else knew. And I just felt like her voice was not heard enough, that Guy and Towns overshadowed her. So I decided that I was going to, you know, write this documentary and put together this story and it is the story of Guy, but it's from Susanna's perspective, and it's about their relationship, the two of their relationship, and then Towns to a lesser degree. And I'm really happy with the way it's coming together. You've been quoted as saying, I'm on a quest to introduce songwriters I love to the world at large. Other than Guy, who would that include? Um, oh my gosh. Well, I'm always turning everybody on to new songwriters. Um um, my friend Kelsey Walden just signed a deal with John Prine's label, and that was very exciting to me because I think Kelsey is um, such a great songwriter, and it's so hard to you know get out there these days. Um, my friend Rod Picot, who I did the workshop with, um, I worked with Radney Foster for a long time, and I just think he's a brilliant songwriter. Sometimes I think Radney doesn't get credit because he was part of the mainstream country world in the 90s. Um, but if you take a step back and really look at his song catalog, he's an amazing writer. It's just beautiful. And there, there's just so many songwriters I love. And, and I feel like if I love them, other people will love them. They don't always get heard because mainstream radio is not cut out for that kind of art. If you don't mind, I'd like to move on to Americana music. Sure. And uh, when did you first hear the term Americana in conjunction with the word music? Um, I guess when Gavin started their chart in 1995. Um, I moved to Nashville that year. So I was in between radio and going to work for a label, but a major label. And when the Gavin thing happened, it was you know really interesting to me that there was now a radio chart for these these artists and then I very quickly got involved with the Americana Music Association as soon as they started in the late 90s um, and I was president of that organization for a while and on the board for a long time it, it was really fun to kind of be there and and watch it grow I think now um, you know it, it happens with so many things that something becomes so big that it kind of loses its core mission so I probably have some complaints now about the way things are, but I'm really happy that Americana has become its own genre and that it's given, you know, artists like a real home. You mentioned that you were the president of the Americana Music Association and you were a member of the board as well. Can you give us a short summary of your tenure there? Um, well, I one of the things I'm proudest of is I produced the first three or four shows at the Ryman starting in 2005. And that really kind of set the tone for having this big uh, celebration of Americana music every year. I didn't want it to be an award show. I didn't want to give out awards. I just wanted it to be a celebration. I lost that fight. But I was really proud to be the first producer and kind of set that tone. 
Uh, also very proud to be the first woman president of the board. Um, and the people that were on the board when I was on the board um, were the early adopters. And, you know, I, I don't think any, I think Jesse Scott's the only remaining original board member, but it's great to look back and see all the work that all of those people had done and see, you know, what's become of it now. Do you think that Americana music is more widely recognized now than, let's say, about 2005? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that there's still the age-old question, what is Americana? And I'm happy. Everybody can argue that forever, as long as they're talking about it. Um, It's a big tent. What do you think is, like, one of the more interesting varieties of Americana music out there, just because they've included so many genres at this point in time? Um... That's a good question and a hard one to answer. I mean, um, Al Bell, who's a you know Memphis, I don't know even what to call him. He's just like, you know, the, the definition of Memphis. And he won Americana Album of the Year a couple of years ago. And that was really cool to have that kind of Memphis soul be part of it. Um, I love that, you know, bluegrass and newgrass and... and um, singer-songwriter and contemporary folk and uh, there's just there's so much and and you know some jam band stuff I mean it's I think Americana should be defined by people that are writing songs playing instruments and singing and performing if they're doing all of those that's pretty much good enough for me it's very different from mainstream country where you have a singer and then you have someone else writing the songs um, and a lot, you know, it's just a very different business model. And to me, Americana is just, it's all about the art first. We want people to, uh, embrace Americana the way people embrace rock and country music. And do you have any suggestions for making that term more ubiquitous? I think the more we use it and the more we're not afraid to use it and the more that we, um, you know, stand up and say, yes, this is Americana. Even if you don't think it's Americana, we think it's Americana. So that's fine. You know, Mavis Staples, she's Americana. Al Bell, he's Americana. Um, Elvis Costello, he's Americana. Robert O'Keen, he's Americana. You know, Emmylou Harris, she's Americana. Um, Jamestown Revival, I love the podcast you did. They're Americana, you know. Um, It's up to us to just continue to you know, raise that flag and plant it where we want to plant it. We've talked about, um, you're working on a book about Americana music. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So that book, which I'm pretty close to being finished with, um, has sort of gone from a history of Americana to more of a memoir about the history of Americana, but then my time in Americana with the common thread being Chris Christofferson, who I've worked with him for many years, 17 years, I think. So it's, um, it needs a serious editor and I'm working on that. It's kind of all over the map right now. It's really long, but I'm very, I'm proud of, of what it is. And I think, um, Texas A&M hopefully will publish it. They did my guidebook and I think that it belongs in an academic press. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'll keep you posted. Uh, my last question is, what's next for you? Well, after we finish the Sky film, um, 
I'd really like to take a year off, not of not working, but um, focus on the all ATX leadership thing and, and continue to interview Rodney and work on that book, but not take on anything new. I need to just sort of let things finish. You know, the Americana book needs to be finished. I need to get going on Rodney. So 2020 for me is going to be about kind of stepping back, I think. And then 2021, who knows? We'll see. (laughs) Um, This is Americana Podcast, Word on the Street. I'm your host, Clara Rose, and we've been speaking with writer, producer, record executive, and biographer Tamara Saviano. Thank you so much for speaking with us again today. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here, Clara, and thank you for having me. At Americana Podcast, we would like to thank our guest, Tamara Saviano, and our good friend, Cindy Howell. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keen Productions. Produced and edited by Clara Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play.